Environmental activists tried to trash great works of art to save the earth. The White House grants an interview to TikTok transgender star Dylan Mulvaney and Republicans 2022 odds skyrocket. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. The Ben Shapiro Show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. I talk about them every single show. Why haven't you gotten a VPN yet? Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, using the internet without ExpressVPN, it's a bad idea. It's like leaving your keys in the car while you run into the gas station for a snack. Most of the time, totally fine. Then there's that one time you come out of the gas station and your car is gone. You just see the you just see the tire marks on the pavement and you see some weird guy waving to you as he drives your car away. Don't do that. Don't be an idiot. Instead, get ExpressVPN. Every time you connect to an unencrypted network in a cafe, a hotel, an airport, any hacker on that same network can gain access to your personal data, meaning your passwords, financial details, etc. It doesn't take much technical knowledge to hack somebody. With some cheap hardware, my own kids could do it. Your data is valuable. Hackers can make up to a thousand bucks per person selling personal information on the dark web. ExpressVPN, however, protects you. It creates a secure encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet so hackers can't steal your sensitive data. It's incredibly secure. It'll take a hacker with a supercomputer over a billion years to get past ExpressVPN's encryption. Plus, it's really easy to use. Just fire up the app, click one button, and get protected. ExpressVPN works on all your devices. We're talking phones, laptops, tablets, and more, so you can stay secure on the go. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. You can get an extra three months for free, expressvpn.com slash Ben. Also, you may have noticed that the value of your car over the past few years has gone up fairly dramatically thanks to supply chain shortages. Well, here's the one thing you can't afford to do. Let that car die. And what that means is that you also don't want to be going to those big chain stores because they also have shortages and they're going to upcharge you. Instead, why not preserve your car the smart way with rockauto.com? rockauto.com will always offer the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. rockauto.com is a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Head on over to rockauto.com, shop for the auto and body parts you need from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, you can get everything you need with just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog, it's remarkably easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. Why spend up to twice as much for the same exact parts? Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. That's rockauto.com. Be sure to write Shapiro in there. How did you hear about us, box so they know that I sent you? Well, folks, we may have arrived at the end of Western civilization. I, I say this with very little sense of exaggeration, actually, because what we are watching right now is not just the barbarians at the gates. We are watching the barbarians within the gates. There's an entire cadre of people who live in the West who have decided that all of the great institutions of the West must be torn down to their roots. They're not really talking about what they want to rebuild on top of that. The basic idea is that all of these institutions must be leveled in order to presumably make way for a better world. But even if there is no better world, the real evil is the institutions. It's not, we got to knock this stuff down and build something better. It's not even the sort of Marxist utopian vision. It's just all this stuff hems me in. All these vestiges of our civilization, they're bad. All, all of the West, essentially, is a monument to evil and colonialism and transgender, anti-transgender bigotry and all the rest. The idea is that all the rules and the institutions and all of the hallmarks of our civilization have essentially been chains on the human soul. And once we break those chains, once we get rid of our worship of the past, once we get rid of all of those rules and roles and regulations, once we do all those things, then supposedly the human spirit can be free. But even if the human spirit is not free, all those things deserve to die. And you're seeing this as a widespread sentiment that has now bled down from the universities all the way down to the lowest levels 
of society in the West and then bled back up into politics because that is the way traditionally that ideas enter the mainstream of politics. Politics is the last vestige of everything. Politics is the end point. Basically, things start with an intellectual elite who promote really, really bad ideas. And they do so to other elites. And those elites then take charge of institutions, generally not political institutions, generally all the other institutions of culture. You're talking about art. You're talking about commerce. And then that bleeds down to the general public. The general public picks up on this. And then it bleeds back up into politics because all those people vote. And that is what we are seeing right now. And you're seeing it across the West. You see sort of inklings of it. And people accuse you of exaggeration when you say stuff like this, of course, because when you look at sort of the bellwether events, when you look at the the flag on top of the iceberg and you say, this may be foreboding, this may actually bode some deeper ill. When you say that sort of stuff, people poo-poo it. No, that's not true. No, no, no. You're just, you're, you're, you're cherry picking. You're, you're idiot picking. You're, you're nut picking. You're, you're finding the worst of the worst. And then you are highlighting that as though this is indicative of something broader. But here's the thing. It is indicative of something broader. When you see extremists who do extreme things and then they are cheered for it by members of the media, for example, or when you see people who say and do things that are actual evidence of mental disorder and those things are cheered by the president of the United States, this says something deeper about the nature of our civilization and the value system that is being torn down. And that's what we are watching in real time right now. So we have a few of those flags that are atop the iceberg, that, that melting iceberg of Western civilization right now. So the first flag that cropped up over the weekend was yet another attack on a great work of art. This time, apparently, Claude Monet has become the latest artist to be the focus of food-related climate protests, according to the UK Guardian. Members of a German environmental group threw mashed potatoes over one of his paintings in a Potsdam museum on Sunday. So we have video of this. It is uh, a painting that is worth apparently $111 million. It's, again, all, all works of art sit atop a structure of civilization. Right? Those works of art are the outgrowth of the civilization, and so they are hallmarks of that civilization. So you have these, um, these German environmental protesters throwing mashed potatoes all over this work of art, and they say, people are starving, people are freezing, people are dying. They glued themselves to the wall. We are in a climate catastrophe. And all you are afraid of is tomato soup or mashed potatoes on a painting. You know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid because science tells us, says this German moron, that we won't be able to feed our families in 2050. You're not going to have a family. Does it take mashed potatoes on a painting to make you listen? This painting is not going to be worth anything if we have to fight over food. Well, then first of all, you shouldn't waste your mashed potatoes. But second of all, the, the, there, there are so many questions here. One, where the hell is security? Where's security, right? People are standing around and these morons walk into the, walk into the museum with the Monet painting, wearing orange vests and presumably carrying a canister of mashed potatoes. And they just freely do this with a, video, with a videographer who's, who's taking tape of all this. And of course, this is not the first protest like this. Just nine days ago, there was an attack on a Van Gogh painting. And again, environmental idiots decided that they were going to glue themselves to the wall below a Van Gogh painting after throwing tomato soup at the Van Gogh painting. What is worth more, art or life? Is it worth more than food? Worth more than justice? Are you more concerned about the protection of a painting or the protection of our planet and people? The cost of living crisis is part of the cost of oil crisis. Fuel is unaffordable to millions of 
cold, hungry families. They can't even afford. Okay, this is a generation that is completely bereft of decency, of morality. They're vestiges of the. I'm not going to blame the entire generation. But what we have here is a civilization that does not know its way, does not know why it is, what it is. And now you have people who are tearing this down because let's be frank about this. This is not about the environment. No one here believes that by throwing mashed potatoes on a painting, they are going to magically cure climate change or that this is going to win friends and admirers. That all over the world, millions of people are going to say, ah, those heroes who threw mashed potatoes on the Monet, they have now caused me to give up the fact that coal and, and gas are more efficient than solar and wind. That's not going to happen. And they know that's not going to happen. It's about the destruction. It's a it is. It is not about building anything. It is not about a better world. They're not going to school to learn how to create better tech to cure the climate crisis. They're not figuring out how to geoengineer. They're not doing something productive. They're doing something destructive because the barbarians are about the destruction. They're not about building anything new. They're not about the utopia. Again, many of the people who were destructive in the past were destructive. At least you could say this for them because they wish to build something better. These people don't wish to build anything better. They just wish to destroy. Because again, the painting is in fact, there's a reason they're targeting these paintings. And it's not just because they're beloved paintings. It's because they're beloved Western paintings. You don't see them going after expensive objects that are, for example, from colonialized parts of the world. The idea is you have to go after the great works of art of Western civilization because those Western civilization pieces are indicative of a broader evil. And then you have members of the media who celebrate this sort of stuff. You have Eileen Getty writing for the UK Guardian saying, I fund climate activism and I applaud. The Van Gogh protest. Two climate activists who threw soup on the protective glass covering of Van Gogh's sunflowers painting have captured the attention of the world. While some have ridiculed the activists, as a funder of climate activism, I'm proud of the bigger conversation they've started. Ah, the bigger conversation. By the way, Getty is the daughter of the Getty family. I'm the daughter of a famous family who built their fortune on fossil fuels, but we now know the extraction and use of fossil fuels is killing life on our planet. Our family sold that company four decades ago. I instead vowed to use my resources to take every means to protect life on Earth. I proudly provide funding to the Climate Energy Fund, which in turn makes grants to climate activists engaged in nonviolent legal civil disobedience, including Just Stop Oil, the group the activists represented. So you now have, I mean, this is again, indicative of deeper ills. The scions of companies that were built and created massive wealth and prosperity on planet Earth. Now their fourth generation, great, great, great grandkids. Those kids are now funding people to throw mashed potatoes and tomato soup on iconic works of art. And this is the thing that they are pushing. It is all about the destruction. And here's the thing, we're supposed to celebrate the destruction. And this is true in literally every arena of life. The destruction is the point. The destruction is not a byproduct. It's not an, ex it's not an accidental byproduct of you got to break a few eggs to make an omelet. They don't care about the omelet. What they care about is the breaking of the eggs. The eggs must be broken. The goal is the destruction. This is true when it comes to any piece of important Western work. This is true particularly with regard to really, really important things, not just like great art, but also with regard to, for example, sex roles. And the notion that there are men and there are women and that there is such a thing as traditional moral sexual behavior, these are seen as things that, these are the building blocks of civilization. All of civilization is built on man, woman, child, family, formate, uh, family formed unit. This unit as the basis of all society. And this is not just a Western thing. This is true all over the world. But the left in the West has decided that those structures are incredibly restrictive. And so those structures have to be destroyed from within. And they celebrate the destruction. And our entire society has learned to celebrate the destruction. Now, there was a very indicative statement made by Madonna, actually. She, she put out an Insta. And on her Insta, she put a note 
And here's what it said. Quote, 30 years ago, I published a book called Sex. In addition to photos of me naked, there were photos of men kissing men, women kissing women, and me kissing everyone. I also wrote about my sexual fantasies and shared my point of view about sexuality in an ironic way. I spent the next few years being interviewed by narrow-minded people who tried to shame me for empowering myself as a woman. I was called a a witch, a heretic, and the devil. Now Cardi B can sing about her WAP. Kim Kardashian can grace the cover of any magazine with her naked ass. And Miley Cyrus can come in like a wrecking ball. You're welcome, bitch. So I have a question. Is the world a better place because of what Madonna did? I mean, let's assume that she's right here. Is this something to brag about? This, this is what you put on your epitaph, right? You die and you, you erect your gravestone. On your gravestone, you say, I paved the way so Cardi B could rap about her wet ass. That is, the, that, that is, your, that is your move. And because the idea is that the destruction is the liberation. Watching things burn is what these folks want to do. They want to tear down all the things that are important to a civilization and then celebrate on the ashes. That's the goal. And the most, and again, it bleeds down from the top level of our culture all the way down to low culture. It bleeds from high culture to low culture. This destructive tendency. It's not new in Western civilization. You've seen it before. The French Revolution was a good indicator of this. The idea was all these structures are hemming us in. Let's not just destroy the structures. Let's destroy everything. Let's level all of society. But at least you could say about the French revolutionaries that they were fighting an actual aristocracy that had prevented people from being able to live in prosperous fashion. You can't say that about the West. People in the West are living the best that human beings have ever lived in the history of humanity, without doubt, without question. And yet people want to tear things down anyway. They want to tear everything down because and everything comes down to, I have a feeling inside me and anyone who says no to my feelings is denying me me. Any institution that makes demands of me, any institution that suggests duty or that suggests skill, right? because what great art does is it suggests skill, it suggests training. Any institution that says there is a better and there is a worse, aesthetically, morally, any institution that creates rules for the road and that makes people's lives better, it actually doesn't make people's lives better. It makes my life worse. It makes my life worse because there's a feeling inside me and that feeling must be not only humored, but celebrated by society. Full-scale celebrated by society. And this brings us to Dylan Mulvaney going to the White House. So there's a person I'd never heard of until about a week ago named Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney is a man. Dylan Mulvaney was a star on Broadway of Book of Mormon, which is a very anti-religious musical that was done by Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the, the South Park guys. And Dylan Mulvaney was apparently a talented enough singer-actor to actually be in that show on Broadway. And about... Three quarters of a year ago, Dylan Mulvaney decided that Dylan Mulvaney was a woman. Now, this had followed on Dylan Mulvaney jumping online at the beginning of COVID and spending a couple of years building up a following. And then Dylan Mulvaney decided that Dylan Mulvaney was a girl. And so Dylan Mulvaney started releasing a series called Day Blank of Being a Girl, right? And it was documenting every single day being, now, this is a man, this is a grown-ass man who's saying that he is a girl. Here, for example, is day one of Dylan Mulvaney announcing that he is, in fact, a she. And let's be real about this. What this is, is this is a man who is cosplaying as a woman. Actually, he's cosplaying as a young girl is what he's actually doing. Because his characterization of women is sexist, ridiculous, stereotypical, and disordered. Okay, but, but this is treated as something good. Because what this is really about is not about building anything up. What this is really about is tearing everything down. Right? There's no such thing as a man. There's no such thing as a woman. A man can be a girl. A girl can be a boy. And anybody who says differently is a bigot. All institutions that fundamentally undergird human reproduction or the family structure, those must be torn away. 
The left made the claim in the 1960s that the personal is political. When it comes to this stuff, the personal is very, very political. And pretending that this does not have a political aspect is, of course, incredibly silly. So here is Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan James Mulvaney is this person's name. And this person claiming that he is a girl. This is day one. This is the first video. Something like 8.5 million views on TikTok. Day one of being a girl, and I have already cried three times. I wrote a scathing email that I did not send. I ordered dresses online that I couldn't afford. And then uh, when someone asked me how I was, I said, I'm fine, when I wasn't fine. So. How'd I do, ladies? Good? Girl power. Okay, so I have a question. Uh, are, are women feeling emboldened by this, strengthened by this? Or do you feel insulted by this as you should? A man saying that day one of being a woman involves crying three times, ordering dresses you can't afford, and telling people that you are fine when you're not fine. If Bill Burr made that joke about women, he would be called a sexist. But Dylan Mulvaney is cosplaying at being a woman, and therefore we have to pretend that he is in fact a woman. Like day one, we have to pretend that he is a woman. Literally the day that he announces that he's a girl, we have to pretend that he is now a girl. And let's be clear about this. Dylan Mulvaney is a dude. And you can see this. Take Dylan Mulvaney, one of the videos that Dylan Mulvaney has on, on his TikTok page is a video of himself singing. Got a very nice voice, by the way. Singing as a dude. And then cosplaying as a woman. And then at the very end of the video, you will actually hear Dylan Mulvaney dressed as a woman singing the way that he used to because, again, he is a he and nothing has changed other than the makeup and the garb and the hair. Personally, I've never met that boy. Seems like a really sweet kid, but I, I just, I don't know who that is. You raise me up. Okay, that's, that is Dil Mulvaney dressed as a girl saying, I don't know who that is. And then Dil Mulvaney, close up, singing the same song, same voice, right? Nothing has changed, but we're supposed to pretend something has changed because it's about tearing down institutions, about tearing down male, female. It's about tearing down reality and factual basis for reality. And it is, again, about insulting every institution that exists in not only the West, but all over the world. So, for example, here's Dylan Mulvaney talking about being a bride. Being a, This is a man talking about being a bride. Here comes the bride. A 54 being a girl, and I grew up as a gay kid not even thinking that I could get married, let alone being a bride. So here are the rules for my hypothetical wedding. Whoever I'm marrying, whether it be a man, a woman, a non-binary person, I am going to be the last one to walk down the aisle. And I hope that doesn't Okay, fine. So it's just amazing. You can't be a bride. You're a man. I'm sorry to break it to you. You cannot be a bride. You're a man. Because the definition of bride includes woman in the definition of bride. And Dylan Mulvaney, again, being a man, talks in his videos about how he walks around wearing short shorts, like very tight shorts, and people notice the fact that he has a penis because he's wearing very tight shorts. And so he has a few choices. He can either do a painful procedure called a tuck, which involves taping your genitals up underneath you, apparently. Or you can normalize the fact that you are, in fact, a man walking around showing your dick bulge while dressed as a woman. But I was walking around and everyone was staring and I was like, oh, OK, what's going on? 
and they were all staring directly at my crotch. And I went, oh, I forgot that my crotch doesn't look like other women's crotches sometimes because mine doesn't look like a little you're not a woman. pocket. And I thought, okay, Dylan, you have some options here. Number one, you can stop wearing clothes that fit like this and, and just find looser fitting items. Number two, I can do a tuck, which is going to have to be a whole other video, but it's very painful and involved of a... Or number three, I just normalize it. And I wear clothes like this, and we all just normalize women having bulges sometimes. Uh, you mean we normalize men dressing as women and showing their bulge? That's, that's what we're talking about here. Okay, so the only reason that this is relevant is because Dylan Mulvaney has now achieved a wild number of sponsorships from makeup, and fashion outlets. This person has 8.3 million followers on TikTok. And recently, this person did a video for Ulta, which is a major makeup brand, talking about how he could be a mother. Uh, it, it was a clip that, that came out last week. He could be a mother. And he never knew that he could be a mother. Well, no one knows that you can be a mother because you can't actually be a mother. Okay, so this caused some blowback. And the Biden administration jumped in. And the Biden administration invited Dylan Mulvaney to interview the president of the United States. Because again, this is how cultures are destroyed from within. The barbarians are inside the gates. You take ideas that carve away at the very fundamental bases of all civilization. And then you treat them as though these are aspects of heroism. You carve away at that. And, and the carving is the heroism. The destruction of the institutions is the point. The burning of it all down is what you want to do. Not in order to build a better world, but because those things are bad. And because you can coalesce a, an intersectional coalition of people who are going to vote for you if you are Joe Biden. You can make political hay out of this sort of stuff. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, did you know that there are over 2.4 million podcasts on planet Earth? But this is the best one. And the reason this is the best one is because we also have the best employees. How did we get those employees, you ask? Well, we used Zip Recruiter. And you should be doing the same for your business. And otherwise, you are wasting your time. You're not getting the best employees. You're spending too much time sorting through the resumes. ZipRecruiter does all of this for you. Hiring the right person is super important. ZipRecruiter makes it simple. Try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. ZipRecruiter does the work for you. ZipRecruiter uses its powerful technology to find and match the right candidates up with your job. You can easily review these recommended candidates and invite your top choices to apply. ZipRecruiter has a complete suite of tools that makes it easy to filter, review, and rate your candidates. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within day one. So if you're a fan of the show and you want to try ZipRecruiter for free, why don't you remember my special URL and then try it out? ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash D-A-I-L-Y-W-I-R-E. ZipRecruiter is indeed the smartest way to hire. Go check them out at ZipRecruiter.com slash Daily Wire. Also, if you own a business, you may have noticed the past few years have really sucked. They're really bumpy at the very least from COVID lockdowns to Biden inflation. You could probably use a break. Innovation refunds can help you out. If your business has five or more employees and managed to survive COVID, you could be eligible to receive a payroll tax rebate of up to $26,000 per employee. This isn't a loan. There's no payback. It's a refund on your taxes. The challenge is how do you get your hands on it? How do you cut through the red tape and get your business the refund money? Head on over to GetRefunds.com. Their team of tax attorneys are highly trained in this little-known payroll tax program. They've already returned $1 billion to businesses. They can help you as well. They do all the work with no charge up front. Simply share a percentage of the cash that they get for you. Businesses of all types can qualify, including those who took PPP, nonprofits, even those who had increases in sales. Just go to GetRefunds.com, click on Qualify Me, answer a few quick questions. This payroll tax refund is only available for a limited amount of time. Don't miss out. Go to GetRefunds.com. Again, that's GetRefunds.com. 
There's a solid chance that if you are an employer over the past few years, you overpaid your taxes in one particular specialized way. The people are going to know about it are the folks over at GetRefunds.com. Let them help you out. GetRefunds.com. Go check them out right now. And so Dylan Mulvaney announced last week, late last week, that he had been invited to the White House to discuss life with the president of the United States. And um, and he talked about what he was going to wear. And the answer was he was going to wear effectively a, a sort of traditionalist skirt suit and sit across from the president of the United States. Here is Dylan Mulvaney announcing last week that he was going to go to the White House to interview the president of the, the most powerful person on the planet and the emissary of American values at home and abroad. Here is Dylan Mulvaney announcing this. Looking for the president's dog. Our queen, love you. I love you. We're about to go. Is there anything in my teeth? Leaving on cloud nine. The president of the United States gave me a cookie. He gave me a cookie in the Oval Office. Now here's the question. Do I eat it or do I save it? It has a seal. I, please, honestly, tell me. Everyone, I got to pet the dog. I got to pet his dog. I'm still in shock and don't be mad, but I don't get to post any of the footage until after the interview airs on Sunday night, but it's going to be worth it because I can't wait for you to hear everything that we talked about. I left with a lot of hope and optimism, not only for just trans people, but many different topics. And the fact that our president has watched Days of Girlhood, it's kind of epic. It is, in fact, rather telling that our president has watched Days of Now, I'll, spoiler alert, the president of the United States doesn't know who this person is. I really, really doubt that Joe Biden has been sitting there on TikTok watching Days of Girlhood. One, because he can't stay awake through an entire TikTok video. Two, because he doesn't know how computers work. And three, because he's 80 years old. So there are a multiplicity of reasons why he has no idea who Dylan Mulvaney was. So his very online woke staff brought him Dylan Mulvaney. And uh, a very uncomfortable Joe Biden was then interviewed by Dylan Mulvaney. So the beginning of the interview, Dylan Mulvaney announces that he, in fact, is a she. And Joe Biden reacts with all of the enthusiastic alacrity of a man who is 80 years old and son, somnambulant. This is my 221st day of publicly transitioning. God, and- love God love you. God love you. Remember, the destruction is the point. It's up at the highest level of our politics. Why? Because, again, if you're a politician, maybe you hope to channel that into the rebuilding of a better world. Maybe if you're Joe Biden, build back better involves leveling everything else. Maybe for the Democratic Party, you have to destroy these institutions because after all, if you can destroy the institution of the family, if you can destroy distinctions between the sexes, if you can posit the idea that all inequality of result is the result of a failed system, then people will give you power to fix that failed system. Maybe that's the idea behind it. But for the people who are destroying the system, it's just about destroying the system. So this resulted in what I have to say is one of the most disturbing clips, maybe the most disturbing clip in presidential history. Dylan Mulvaney, a man cosplaying as a woman, a man who talks about taking hormones in order to grow his nipples. I kid you not. Dylan Mulvaney, a man who has makeup contracts with, again, a bunch of advertisers who hope to apparently demonstrate their tolerance and diversity by showing that a man can be a woman. In the most insulting way possible to women, by the way, just acting as a female stereotype, because in fact, a man cannot be a woman and women are not, in fact, men. Dylan Mulvaney is sitting there with the president of the United States, the most powerful person on earth. And given the fact that the United States is the most powerful country in human history, perhaps the most powerful person in human history sitting across from Dylan Mulvaney. And Dylan Mulvaney asks Joe Biden about, quote unquote, gender affirming health care. Gender affirming health care is a euphemism for giving 
mass doses of hormones, of opposite sex hormones to children and transitioning them toward the point where we then mutilate them, where we take little boys or young men and we cut off their penis and their testicles and we form a fake body cavity and we invert the head of the penis so that it creates a, a fake orgasmal structure. Or we take a young girl and we cut off her breasts and we sterilize her and we form a fake penis out of a piece of arm flesh. And this is termed gender-affirming healthcare. Gender-affirming healthcare, which really should be titled, if we were not euphemistic about it, sex-denying healthcare, because that's really what it is. It is taking your sex and it is denying it. It is pretending your sex does not exist and that what really exists, the truth of you, is your feeling inside your head, your actual body, you know, your material body, which is all structured with DNA, which is all structured with characteristics of asex. None of that exists. It's all in your imagination. And your imagination is really what matters. And well, Dylan Mulvaney asked the president of the United States about this. And here is, uh, here is how this clip goes. And w- when I say that, that a thousand years from now, people will be watching this clip and wondering how the United States felt. Let me just say that a thousand years from now, people will be watching this clip and saying, how did the United States fall? The moral decline of the United States, the moral inversion of the United States, which is really more what it is. It's not even a decline. We now have a complete inversion of morality and decency here on full display. Do you think states should have a right to ban gender-affirming health care? I don't think any state or anybody should have the right to do that. As a moral question and as a legal question. I just think it's wrong. It's wrong as a moral question to ban, presumably for minors, because this is where these states have actually banned quote-unquote, gender-affirming health care. They haven't banned transgender surgeries or top or bottom surgery for 25-year-olds. They're banning it for children. Joe Biden thinks that it is a moral wrong. It is an ethical wrong for any state to prevent the mutilation of minors, to prevent the sexual sterilization of minors. And he is saying this to another man who's pretending to be a woman. This is, this is what we've come to in our civilization. So when it feels like civilization is falling apart, people say, why why are people so divided? Why are people so polarized? Well, maybe it's because there are people who literally believe that all of the hallmarks of a sane and rational and decent society, things like upholding family or upholding the differences between men and women, recognizing biological reality, or for that matter, recognizing great art, recognizing the value of civilization, that all these things should be torn down to the ground and they're being incentivized in this by politicians, cynical politicians like Joe Biden, who are sitting there nodding at this in the hopes of political gain, in the hopes of suggesting that anyone who opposes this is some sort of bigot. And again, what we'll get here is the face tattoo syndrome that I've talked about before. We'll get from the media that the fact that I've covered this at length or the fact that the right is responding to this. That is, why are you even noticing, guys? Why are you even noticing? It's not happening and it's good that it is. And if you notice, it's your fault, right? That's the game here, but we are noticing. And you know what? It's not just people like me. It's not just people who are dedicated conservatives who are noticing. It's everyone. Because everyone can see the insanity on full display, the moral decline on full display, and the attempt, by the way, to translate this over to kids. Because let's be real about this. The value system that is being promulgated by Joe Biden, the proxy of Dylan Mulvaney, the value system that is being promulgated is being promulgated to children. Children are the tools. Children must be socialized to these ideas. Because if you wish to destroy the institutions, What you really have to do is indoctrinate an entire new generation of kids who are opposed in their essence to these institutions because these institutions make them unfree. And institutions here, I'm not talking about criminal law. I'm talking simply about the institutions of male and female, cultural hallmarks of male and female that have been treasured by everyone for all of human history. These things must be torn down to the ground. 
And they must be taught to kids. Very important to be taught to kids. And parents, if you teach them to your kids, says the left, this makes you virtuous and good. This is why you should be taking your kids drag queen story hour. This is why you should be taking your kids the drag all age display performance. You wonder, you see these videos of drag queens, you know, very often overweight men in female clothing, gyrating around and twerking to extraordinarily dirty lyrics. And you'll see little kids there. And you'll say, what are those parents doing? What, what is going through their head? And the answer is what's going through their head is that Joe Biden and his team and this entire spectrum of, of politicians and, and moral myth makers in the intelligentsia and in the culture have decided you are virtuous if you tear down these institutions. You're part of the fight. You're the good guys. It makes you moral. You're a better parent if you screw up your kid on behalf of this perverse ideology because it makes you tolerant and it makes you accepting and it makes you diverse. And that's really what we're after right here. That's the key to everything. Now, the backlash is coming. And again, it's not just coming from conservatives, traditional religious conservatives like me. And my opposition to this is not based on religion whatsoever. It's based on the fact that kids need, for example, to know about roles and rules. And the fact that there are vital, important, and useful and good, yes, morally good distinctions between men and women. They are not the same. That the notion that when it comes to Aesthetics. Some art is better than other art. And this stuff is good. It's good for people to know this. That belief system is not held by just religious people or just conservative people. It's held by pretty much everyone. So CBS did a rather fascinating focus group the other day. And CBS, of course, would love to see Democrats reelected in the House and the Senate in 2022. And this focus group went wildly wrong. It went wildly wrong because there was a conservative on the panel and the conservative on the panel said, you know what I don't like? I don't like any of this woke indoctrination of my kids, particularly, particularly along sexual lines. And to CBS's shock, the rest of the focus group, which contained a Democrat and an independent, they all agreed on this, including the black mother of eight. Here's what it looked like. And just recently, there was some protests in an Iowa school for bringing in a transgender art uh, uh, art show. So you're not concerned about your kids in Texas. You're seeing this on the news. That's what's raising your concern? Yes. LaShawn, I'd like to get you to weigh in on this. I can also agree with some of his points. Um, I really would say sex education. I feel like um, some things, you know, are brought to the children's attention. They wouldn't even think about. And you have eight kids. I imagine you have some pretty specific ideas in your mind when you're speaking yes, about this. Yes. Mm -hmm. The children are, you yeah, they're really influenced. You can teach them one thing at home, but when they go to school, they're just as much influenced by their teachers and their surroundings. And we should have more input, the parents, of what we would want them to learn. Stephanie, what, what's your biggest concern? And if you want to react to any of that, go ahead. Um, I, I agree. Hey, that is a Republican and Democrat and independent. They all agree on this. Now, notice the sort of hesitation before everybody speaks there. And you can see the hesitation from all of these people, the, the Republican, the Democrat, and the independent. They want, they're being shy. Right? They, they don't want to appear bigoted. They don't want to appear unkind. Hey, listen, this is not about bigotry or unkindness. This is about reality. And it's about protecting the values that undergird any successful civilization. And no one should be shy about that. No one should have to feel as though they are Speaking bigotry, when they say men exist, women exist, a man pretending to be a woman should not be interviewing the president of the United States who is informing this man dressed as a woman that children have a right to be mutilated sexually. There's nothing to be shy about in saying any of that. And increasingly, people are not shy about saying that, nor should they be, because it's going to take actual people standing at the, at the wall to defend against the barbarians. And it's going to take people 
looking at the barbarians inside our own civilization and saying, you do not represent anything, any ideas that are worth preserving. These are not ideas that are good for a civilization. And if your ideas were to prevail, it would destroy us. Because it would, and it is. And we are watching it happen in real time. We are watching on an aesthetic level, the decline of the West, for sure. We are watching on a, on a moral level, the perversion of, of children. We are seeing suicidal ideation rates like nothing we've ever seen in the history of humanity happening right now in the West. We are watching as fundamental institutions like family and important things like childbearing and childbearing go by the wayside in favor of all of this. All in the favor of, of I guess, experts who are going to lead us, utilizing governmental and corporate and media power. Human beings of all stripes politically have a duty to stand up with this because frankly, if we don't have this in common, we got nothing in common. Civilization is in fact over if we do not have these basic, basic, basic things in common. Yes, there is a there is something valuable about the history of the West. Yes, men and women exist. Yes, men cannot be women. Yes, it is cosplaying as a woman. When a man pretends to be a woman, it does not make him a woman. And yes, it is mutilation of a child when you take a 16-year-old girl and cut off her breasts in the name of gender ideology. If we can't agree on this, Ain't nothing we can agree on. At that point, civilization may as well dissolve. We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, we here at The Daily Wire, we are committed to winning back the culture, losing just not an option. There's too much riding on it. Part of that means supporting businesses who have values that align with our own, which is why I'm excited to tell you we have teamed up with my friends over at Black Rifle Coffee Company. So many of you already know about Black Rifle. It's a veteran-founded, operated coffee company. They've made it their mission to hire 10,000 vets, and they are well on their way. One of the many laudable things that Black Rifle does, they help service members successfully transition from the military into entrepreneurship. They're constantly giving back to veteran foundations, as well as law enforcement and first responders. By purchasing from Black Rifle Coffee Company, you're directly supporting the military service community. What about the coffee itself? Well, it's really, really good. I know because I drink it every single morning. Black Rifle is very selective about where they sauce their coffee beans from. They are disciplined when it comes to ensuring the freshness of every single bag. We keep Black Rifle Coffee stocked here at the office. I also keep it at home. Head on over to blackriflecoffee.com. Use promo code Shapiro for 10% off your first order or when you sign up for a new Coffee Club subscription. The subscription will give you free shipping on all Coffee Club orders, early access to club deals and promotions, special discounts from their partner brands. That's blackriflecoffee.com with promo code Shapiro for 10% off your first order or when you sign up to become a Coffee Club member. Black Rifle Coffee, supporting veterans and America's coffee. Also, Speaking of brands that support the things you want to support, we launched Jeremy's Razors not too long ago. We've already taken millions of dollars away from woke razor companies that hate you and use that money to better support your values. Jeremy's Razors is still the only razor brand that actually upholds virtue instead of signaling it. If you haven't already done so, get your founder's shave kit at jeremysrazors.com. I can tell you those razors work like a, they work like a charm. I mean, last week I had a beard. This week I don't have a beard. How do you think I got rid of all the facial hair that was on underneath my, uh, my chin? Also this weekend, I released a brand new episode of the Sunday special. It features a very special guest, President of Brazil, Jair Bolsonaro. Bolsonaro is one of the most important figures in the West right now. He is standing up against Lula. Lula is a candidate who was in jail until five seconds ago and now is running against him. He vows to forward the cause of socialism in Latin and South America. Bolsonaro is standing up to him. Here's a bit of the trailer. The less the population is able to actually understand what's actually going on, the easier it'll be for the party to capture them. They are also for liberalizing abortion and also the so-called gender ideology. And, you know, even children, not not very few, but, you know, children age seven, eight, nine, you know, children seem not to know whether they're girls or boys and vice versa. You know, boys don't know whether they're boys or anymore. So this is really terrible.
You can watch the episode on Daily Wire Plus or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, so meanwhile, as I've been predicting, the odds of a Democratic maintenance of the Senate have been declining rapidly. Nate Silver is now saying that the Senate is a toss-up. He says the Senate started out as a toss-up when we launched our forecast in June. After a summer in which political developments mostly played to Democrats' favor, there's now clear movement back toward Republicans. The 538 Senate forecast now gives Democrats a 58% chance of keeping control of the Senate, down from a peak of 71% last month. How to translate a roughly 60% chance into words is a tricky one, since it's right on the threshold of where you might choose to emphasize one party's ahead or that it's pretty close to 50-50. Poker players use the term flip, when two hands have about an equal chance of winning, even if the chances aren't exactly equal, most players would describe this poker hand as a flip, for instance, even though the pair of tens would win 57% of the time. Let's get real. If a friend asked me to characterize the Senate race, I'd say it's pretty effing close and emphasize neither party has much of an advantage. Again, Republicans have been growing their generic ballot lead. The polls are, are cutting heavily in their favor now. In Arizona, in Pennsylvania, there's now a poll from Pennsylvania showing Dr. Oz up four over John Fetterman, who again is not with us and who is whose wife is now apparently taking charge of the campaign. In Arizona, Blake Masters is now running dead even with Mark Kelly. Meanwhile, Kerry Lake seems to be pulling away in that Senate race. One of the big questions here is whether Republicans mobilize around Mike Lee. If you're a Republican and you don't wish to see Evan McMuffin, take that seat and then caucus with the Democrats. You should go vote for Mike Lee and you should support Mike Lee. Mike Lee is a very good senator from the state of Utah. But overall, it looks as though Republicans are now in significantly better shape than they were just a few weeks ago. And again, part of that is because elections tend to clarify the mind. As we get closer to the election, the minds are clarifying in pretty dramatic fashion, not just on the economy, but on cultural issues like the ones that we have been talking about. Politico now characterizes it this way. They say Republicans have been roaring back in the Senate. Over the past week, polls show GOP candidates closing the gap in states where Democrats have led all summer and perhaps pulling away in races that appeared close for months. In Pennsylvania, Mehmet Oz is inch closer to John Fetterman. Herschel Walker is neck and neck with Raphael Warnock in Georgia. Again, Brian Kemp could pull Herschel Walker over the line because Brian Kemp is running heavily ahead of Stacey Abrams. Blake Masters has narrowed Mark Kelly's lead in Arizona. Adam Laxalt is squeezing past Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada. Meanwhile, Republicans stuck in stubbornly tied red states are beginning to show signs of building more durable advantages. It looks like J.D. Vance and Ted Budd are going to move ahead in Ohio and North Carolina, respectively. And it now looks very solidly as though Republicans are, if not going to take the Senate, at least emerge with a 50-50 split. And Democrats are beginning to freak out over this, according to The Hill. Angst is growing among Democrats. The momentum they saw earlier this year in their bid to keep control of the Senate is beginning to wane as towering inflation and deepening economic unease supplant issues like abortion rights atop the list of voter concerns. Again, that is not a major shock because when it comes to abortion, it is basically going to be back to the states. I mean, each state is going to make its own abortion law. I said this at the time. As people begin to realize that abortion is not, in fact, a federal issue. It is a state issue and that all legislation will be done at the state level. And as they realize they can do what they did in Kansas, for example, and vote down heavy abortion restrictions, or they can do what they've done in other southern states and they can actually re-enshrine those abortion restrictions, people are going to say, what does my senator have to do with any of this? What does my congressperson have to do with any of this? And then, of course, the reality is that the inflation stats continue to be incredibly bad. And the reality is that the economy continues to founder on the rocks of, of bad democratic policy and bad international situations. And Nancy Pelosi and company, they, they have no way to fight this. I mean, Joe Biden has no way to fight this. Nancy Pelosi has no answer to the inflation charges. Here she was on Face the Nation trying to struggle past it. When I hear people talk about inflation, as I heard him there, we have to change that subject. Inflation is a global phenomenon. Mm. phenomenon. Yeah. The EU, the European Union, the UK, the British have higher inflation rate than we do here. It's not, the fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. 
Oh, it's about the cost of living. Oh, oh, okay. You guys are, try that one. See if the cost of living is going down for most Americans, how they feel about their circumstances. Meanwhile, Nancy Pelosi, while she's saying we have to change the, the topic from inflation, she's saying she has no, no regrets. She's getting a neck tattoo, no regrets about the stimulus. Well, I mean, it seems like some people have regrets about you fire hosing cash at people for no reason. You know, those $1,400 checks, putting yeah. cash out there. Right. I mean, didn't that end up contributing to inflation? Do you have any regrets about the bills you passed and how you structured them? No, absolutely not, because this that was necessary uh, for people to survive. Our purpose it was, it was that it was inflationary. The, the, well, no, but the point is, is that when you reduce unemployment, it's inflationary. Oh, so so you're saying that the inflation was part of the plan then, Nancy Pelosi. When you reduce unemployment, it's, it's inflationary. So you like the fire hosing of cash. You like the inflation is what you're saying. Pelosi's basically giving up the ghost here. She says that she, she's not going to commit to being in, in House leadership if the Democrats lose the House. They are going to lose the House. The, the current polls suggest that Republicans are going to win upward of 30 seats in the House. I, I've said from the beginning, I think it's somewhere between 30 and 40 seats for the Republicans in the House just because structurally it's almost impossible for them to win like 60. But they could easily take 25, 30, 35 seats. Nancy Pelosi is going to be deposed. I mean, she's not going to be the, the House minority leader if the Democrats get kicked out of leadership again. The woman is in excess of 80 years old. You told Andrea Mitchell earlier this week, we need generational change, but in some cases, there's no substitute for experience. Right. Will you remain in leadership in the new Congress? I'm not talking about that. I'm here to talk about how we win the election. But to mm. deliver on all I, I these was only things. Paying, I was only paying Andrea a compliment for all the experience that she has. I see. The, but the fact is, we need so, to... So you may or you may not. I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about the future, America's working families, for the children. It's always about the children. Mm -hmm. It's always about the children. The children, whether we're transing them or aborting them in the womb, it's about the, the children. Yes, th things are going swimmingly for the Democrats. Well, folks, as you know, Birch Gold is one of the big sponsors here at the Ben Shapiro Show. I've been an advocate for diversifying at least a little bit into precious metals for a very, very long time. Every so often, we stop by with our friends over at Birch Gold to talk about the state of the economy. This is an interview I did with Philip Patrick of Birch Gold. Thank you for having me. So let's start with what's going on in the UK. Enormous volatility over there. Liz Truss lasted less time as prime minister than a head of lettuce. What exactly happened over there? And, and what exactly does that tell us about the state of the economy and how central banks are running things? Yeah, um, absolutely spot on. It was the shortest uh, tenure in prime ministerial history. Obviously, uh, not exactly a sign of stability over there. Uh, for a little bit of background, the Trust administration announced a mini budget that essentially included $45 billion in unfunded tax cuts and deficit spending. Um, in response, investors expected inflation to surge. So funds left the United Kingdom, what we saw was bond rates skyrocketing and the pound sterling hit an all-time low. Now, the problem would have been manageable with a smaller amount of national debt, but when you, whether you're an individual, a corporation, or even a sovereign nation, if your debt greatly exceeds your ability to repay, you're at the mercy of the market. So essentially, it was the bond vigilantes or, or the markets themselves that fired the prime minister. Now, to put this into some context, the UK has about four trillion pounds sterling, so a little over four trillion dollars in debt, uh, and a debt to GDP ratio of around ninety-five percent. By comparison, we have in the United States over thirty-one trillion dollars of debt, currently a uh, hundred and 
25% debt to GDP ratio. So I think this should serve as a start warning to us here in the United States. What's happening there could happen here. And the markets are powerful forces and, and not to be trifled with. Now, Philip, we're seeing all this volatility across financial markets across the world. We're seeing it in stocks. We're seeing it in, in bonds. What's causing all this? Is it going to come down? What does it mean for the price of things like precious metals? Look, uh, we're seeing a ton of volatility across the markets. If you look at the 20 best and worst days in S&P history, nine of the best days, 11 of the worst days happened this year alone. I think the reality is we're dealing with a very fragile and sentiment-driven market right now. And that's a problem, right? Because the markets are moving not based on fundamentals, but based more, like I said, on, on sentiment, on feelings. Uh, look at the UK is an example, right? What really settled down uh, the bond markets was the Bank of England's announcement that they'd step in and buy bonds if necessary. They didn't actually do it in any quantity, but just the assurance alone stabilized things. And it's very similar here in the United States. Every time investors think the Fed's going to give up the fight on, uh, on inflation, every time there's bad economic news, every time there's the slightest hint of dovishness from the from the Fed, stocks rise. Again, not based on, on their value, but on expectation that easy money is going to come flooding back into the market. So it's a strange market, right? And it's being driven a lot of volatility by a Federal Reserve being dovish or, or more aggressive. It's not driven on fundamentals. It is a very weird market. And it does demonstrate one of the big problems with outsourcing all of your economic policy to the central banks. I mean, the central banks are, are now the chief drivers of how economic policy works. You see that in the UK. All the all the Bank of England really had to do to make sure that Liz Truss stayed prime minister would have been to actually buy bonds in, in larger numbers. And that would have been able to sustain the tax cuts that she was talking about, which were actually relatively minor in scope. Instead, they decided they weren't going to do that because of the inflationary cycle and they brought down the prime minister. That creates political volatility, which creates lack of faith in the markets, which in turn drives the central banks to exert even more power. And this has been a long, ongoing process of giving the central banks such unbelievable power. And then it turns out that in the biggest question of our time, whether they could actually keep inflation at low rates, they absolutely blew it. It's absolutely spot on. And, and we're having the same problem here in the United States. Look, will we get inflation under control eventually? The answer is yes. But we've got massive obstacles in front of us, right? You look at the Fed's ability to raise interest rates. I think it's going to be quite limited. Volcker, back in the 80s, had to get very aggressive. He put the federal funds rate to double the rate of inflation. And it required that aggressive action to really curb the inflation that we had. He had the ability to do it, though. U.S. national debt in the 80s was a little over a trillion dollars. Today, we're over 31 trillion. So I think the Fed's ability to raise rates is going to be more limited than they have been in the past. Then you've got Biden, right? The guy doesn't seem to, to, to understand the direct link between massive deficit spending and inflation. And I think until we can curb this guy's ability to run a deficit, it's going to make the Federal Reserve's job very, very difficult. So I think we've got we've got tough times and very little tools to address the problems. And the, the, the Federal Reserve, which obviously has been ramping up interest rates, is now vowed they're going to continue to ramp up those interest rates. They're, they were talking about a soft landing for quite a while there. And it seemed like many of the economists have been late on the ball. I mean, six months ago, they were saying there's almost no chance of recession. Then they were saying there's like a 50% chance of recession. Now they're saying a 100% chance of a, a recession. I mean, how many times can these folks get it wrong before we stop listening to them? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a very good point. Uh, 
but look, the, the Fed have a long, long way to go. People, you know, think, ah, oh, they've been raising rates a lot, and they have. But the, the federal funds rates at 3%, for, for a little bit of context, the average federal funds rate in US history is 4.6. That's considered neutral territory. They're going to have to go well into restrictive territory. Volcker took a different approach in, in the 80s, right? He jumped interest rates like 4% at a time and essentially popped the bubble. This Federal Reserve is trying to take the air out slowly, if you will. For me, it's not the right approach. We end up in the same place. And I think it's just ensuring that recession and inflation will last longer and, and be potentially more aggressive. I'm not sure it's the right approach. So, Philip, what exactly should investors do right now? I mean, I, I will admit that I'm puzzled because it looks like the real estate market, real estate market is, is taking a dive. So it now seems like a bad time to buy real estate. The stock market is up and down like a yo-yo, but overall really, really down this year. Right. What exactly would you recommend short term, midterm, long term here? Listen, you're, you're absolutely right. It's a very tough market to navigate. Bonds, cash, traditionally a safe haven makes no sense today, right? Rates of interest are, are massively exceeded by rates of inflation. Stocks still, I think, have a long way to fall. Price to earning ratios are still the third highest in history today. Not too much value there. Real estate has been driven by the same thing that, that stocks have. Low interest rates have driven prices, I think, out of proportion to reality. So there aren't too many options. Precious metals, at least short to medium term, as a tool to weather this storm, I think are very appropriate, right? They're very conducive for climates like this. Inflation drives them up. Stock market corrections drive them up. And I think a lack of options will drive them up as well. There's not too many safe havens for investors. So I think what everyone needs to consider is a hedge, right? Do you need to take everything out of stock? Absolutely not. But there should be a portion of your portfolio that is geared to grow during times of inflation and decline. That's what bonds used to do. That's what I think precious metals do do today. And Philip, one of the things that I think people are not worried about enough, actually, over the coming years is not the inflation question. As you mentioned, inflation will eventually be brought under control by the Federal Reserve or by central banks all over the world, which have been radically increasing those interest rates. The real question is going to be economic stagnation. And, and as we've seen, I mean, the Biden administration was, was forecasting, even at the beginning of the administration, that within a few years, we were going to be growing at less than 2% in terms of GDP. We're, we're now entering a recessionary cycle, globally speaking. And as the economy stagnates, that does raise questions as to where exactly you want to put your money. It, it's, it's absolutely spot on. It's a tough climate. Where we are today is very reminiscent of, of the period 1970s to mid 80s, which was essentially stagflation, stunted economic growth coupled with, with rising inflation. And that's a very tough climate to navigate because if the cost of living is increasing and everything you have is staying the same or decreasing, it, it acts to compound the problem. So you're absolutely right. I think economic stagnation globally is the big issue today. And like I said, all roads today, at least short to medium term, lead me to precious metals. And we're seeing it on a central government level. We're seeing huge increase in gold reserves, a decrease in dollar reserves. That trend, I think, is one individual investors should look at and ultimately follow suit. 
Well, that is Philip Patrick, precious metal specialist with Birch Gold. Folks, as I've told you before, the people I trust when I invest in precious metals are the folks over at Birch Gold. Take the necessary steps to hedge against inflation today. Protect your own hard-earned money by doing what smart investors do, diversifying. Text Ben to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free information kit on diversifying into gold tax-free. Again, text Ben to 989898 to get started. Philip, thanks for the time. Thank you. All righty, guys, the rest of the show is continuing now. You're not going to want to miss it. We're going to be getting into Joe Biden and whether he, in fact, will be the 2024 nominee. It looks as though he is imploding on the launch pad. If you're not a member, click the link in the description and join us.